Today, we welcome the Reverend Canon Dr. Chuck Robertson, Canon for the Presiding Bishop of the Episcopal Church uh, Beyond the Church. Chuck and I have known each other for over 30 years, and we are blessed to have him today, not only to preach and to celebrate, but also to have a conversation with us. Thank you so much, Jim. Please be seated. Well, good morning, saints. You know what? Let me have you say good morning to saints around you. Take a moment, and I want you to turn to the persons behind you, in front of you, and next to you, and say good morning, saints. That's right, that's right. It is All Saints Sunday, and we're surrounded by saints. We also are surrounded by saints in time and in space throughout the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Communion, and I want to bring you greetings from one saint whom I call boss. Uh, the Most Reverend Michael B. Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, sends his warmest greetings to St. George and all its people. He just this past week, after a really, really rough few months and a major surgery that took 10 hours and really wiped him out quite a bit, this week he started up his uh, public duties again. And I was with him in person in Raleigh, North Carolina, along with several bishops and canons as we started the first of his in-person meetings. It was good to see him, and the thing he said to make sure I said today was thank you for the prayers that you may have lifted up for him. He said, I think that I was the most prayed for person in the whole place. So he brings his greetings, and I will tell you, keep praying for him because it's a long recovery, but he is on the road of recovery. So we're very pleased. So what does it mean to be a saint Hold that one. I'm going to come back to it. But first, in today's first reading, the one from Revelation that was so beautifully read by John. John, beautiful reading. Darwin as well with the second one, very much. As we heard in the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, we hear this question, who are these robed in white? Where do they come from? Who are these and where do they come from? And listen to what the answer is. These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. Well, you know, for the late first century followers of Jesus who heard that in their church setting, in their time of service, they knew something of what the great ordeal was like. Many of them had been in the persecution under the emperor Domitian, one of the worst persecutions that Christians went through up to that point. They also had faced their own great ordeals, individually as well as collectively. They knew something of what was meant and took heart to hear that those robed in white in the heavenly kingdom before the throne of God were those who, like them, had gone through the great ordeal. But the fact is, we know something of the great ordeal ourselves, each and every one of us. We have had our Good Fridays, have we not? Individually, and, and people around us who we know and love. The fact is, at any given moment, any number of us may be going through a great ordeal 
or perhaps we did a couple months ago, or perhaps a couple months from now. The fact is, as I said the last time I was here with you, when I quoted the late actor and comedian Robin Williams, he was right when he once said, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And then he added the words, so be kind, always. Kindness is love in action. We show kindness in two directions. One is, first, to ourselves. We are called first to start by being kind to yourself, to myself. The late spiritual writer Henry Nouwen, a wonderful, incredible writer, if you've never read any of his books, I highly, highly recommend them. Henry Nouwen, in speaking of his own daily spiritual discipline, wrote these words. When you are able to create a lonely place in the midst of your actions and concerns, then somehow your successes and your failures slowly lose their power over you. Henry Nouwen was speaking in commentary of the first chapter of Mark's gospel, where it says that every day Jesus would get up, in those three years he was on earth, every day he would get up, and he would start by going to a lonely place. Not a place of loneliness, but a place where he was with God. And he would pray there. And again, Henry Nouwen says, when we are able to find that place, as we start each day, as we are able to find time alone with God, amidst all of the busyness, all of the actions, all of the concerns, all of the worries, all the resentments, all of the fears, then somehow those things lose power over us. We don't hold on to these things. These things hold on to us if we let them, if we let them. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about, by the way. You know, we say it Easily, right? Just rolls off the tongue because we've said since we were kids. But think about what we're saying with that. We first start out, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then what do we say at one point? We say, give us this day. Think of it this way. Give us today what we need to get through it. That's what our daily bread is. Give us today. Give me today, God, what I need to make it through the challenges your deals, the worries, the fears. Give me, and then notice what comes after that. Give us this day our daily bread and, isn't that funny that comes right afterwards? Because it's not just the weight of responsibility and fears, it's also the weight of guilt. Ah, oh, forgive me. Of course, God never quite, Jesus never lets us off the hook completely. Because a moment later, we also say, even as we forgive those. Get it? Get what he's saying here? Every day, the Lord's Prayer is saying, it's doing what Jesus did in Mark chapter 1. It's doing what Henry now is talking about. Every day to be able to say, help give me what I need to get through today. Not going to worry about tomorrow or the next month. Lord knows I worry about it all the time. Let me just get through today. Give me daily bread today. And forgive me 
And then, and I'll forgive those who I'm upset with. There's another prayer that probably is not familiar to you. I first came across it in 2010 when I made my first trip. A lot of what I do, by the way, my work is to travel. People say, where is your office? And I say, well, I have one at Canterbury Retreat Center in Oviedo. My main office is in Midtown Manhattan, but my real office is the United Club because I'm always flying somewhere. In fact, it was great. Well, tangent. The other, uh, I guess it was about a month or two ago, I was talking to someone over at Canterbury who came over and said, um, so uh, where is your office? And I said, Midtown Manhattan. And she looked at me and said, um, do you have a private plane? I said, absolutely. She's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, but I'm always so upset every time I get on it. She's like, why? I said, because every time I get on it, 300 other people try to pile in with me. She just looked at me and said, why? I was like, oops, never mind. <laughs> Some jokes not meant to be told. <laughs> but in 2010, I made my first trip on the other side of the world. Uh, that was uh, in New Zealand. Uh, it was on that trip, in fact, that I learned that my dad um, passed away. And I was half a world away. Literally half a world away. And I just remember being overwhelmed and all kinds of emotions. Um, and there were those who came and said, you know, we're praying for you. The church in New Zealand has many different parts, and one part of it is the Maori church. The Maori, you may have seen or heard of the Maori. They're folks who, um, they're the indigenous peoples of what we call New Zealand, what they call Aotearoa, and uh, um, they are remarkable people. And they, um, they prayed with me when I got the news, and it was very endearing. But the next day, when I got a plane, I was able to get on a, get on a plane to fly back immediately for um, everything that needed to be done back here with my sisters and brothers. As I went to the airport, lo and behold, there were 25 of the Maori folks with their bishop said, we wanted to come and lay hands on you and pray for you once more. The day before, when they heard the news and I was in their midst, that made sense. This they chose, they chose, they chose to make that trip to the airport to see me off, to pray with me. It was then that they shared a prayer with me that has stayed with me ever since. It comes out of their book of common prayer. Like us, the New Zealanders have their book of common prayer as members of the Anglican Communion. And it says this, It is night after a long day. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. See, in all of this, there's something about saying that we who are called to love God are also called to remember we are not God. You and I are not God. I hope that's not news to you. <laughs> but you know what? A good part of the time, we may act as if we are. We may fool ourselves into thinking we have to be. As the weight of the world is on our shoulders. You and I are not God. Let us find that lonely place. Let us be kind to ourselves. And let God and God's love fill us. So, be kind first to yourself. 
Of course, there's another direction we need to be kind to, to one another and all those we encounter. Again, Robin Williams' quote, be kind always, another person said something very similar, the Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama once said, be kind whenever possible. And then with a twinkle in his eye, he added, it is always possible. It is always possible. In the early second century, a lot of the Roman people didn't know about these Christians. They, they had these weird rituals. They had heard stories of cannibalism because they were talking about the blood, body and blood of their Messiah. Romans were like, what the heck's going on in those places? But one person in the second century said, but look at how those Christians love one another. In the late 60s, you may recall after Vatican II, after our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, like over at St. Timothy's and elsewhere, after the Pope and the Vatican, Second Vatican Council talk about how to have reunion and relationship with other Christians, someone wrote a song then in which he said, they will know we are Christians. Will they though? Will we choose that? See, faith is important. Hope is important. But as Paul said in the 13th chapter to the Corinthian Christians, love is better than all of it. There is nothing like it. And what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not demand its own way. Love, I love this one, does not keep a record of wrongs. Boy, how many times have you done it? I'll tell you... I can tell you how many times I've kept that list of wrongs done to me. Love is overall because love is kindness and kindness is love in action. So what does this look like? Um, let me come down. I came down last time because I, I, I'm not a pulpit guy, so my apologies. <laughs> What does love look like? I mean, all this stuff I'm saying, you say, well, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, like this, yeah. But what's it look like? So on my trip to New Zealand, and even before that, in 2007 when I started my job, on my first trip to Asia, when I visited Hong Kong, uh, Japan, Korea, and other parts, I did so with a remarkable colleague named Peter Eng. Peter Ng, who was a son of Hong Kong, who was from Hong Kong, but had lived in America for most of his life, he took me and showed me around and introduced me to people and showed me the way of kindness as love in action. I watched Peter, and Peter was the consummate diplomat and ambassador. As I went around for the next several years, Every time I'd be on a trip with Peter, I would come back having learned something. It was remarkable to see Peter in action. He retired a couple years ago, and I was at his retirement party, and um, was delighted to be able to sing his praises a bit. And I was reminded then of how humble he would always just kind of sit as people were saying nice things about him, because that just wasn't his way to worry about that. He just did what he needed to do, in his words. Earlier this year, Peter died. He was ready for a wonderful, long retirement ahead of living half-time in Hong Kong and half-time in, in uh, Long Island, where he called home, and 
he and his wife Annie had all kinds of plans and then he got cancer and that just didn't want to go away. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. It did not for Peter. Right before he died, in his last week, he um, asked for two people to come visit him. One was a, another dear friend and colleague and one was me. And so I flew up from, from Florida to go be with him. Now, I should also add, Peter was a layperson. He was not a, uh, a clergy colleague. He was a layperson who had given his life to ministry in all kinds of ways. And so as I was with him, he was barely able to, he couldn't sit up really. He was kind of, kind of just lying back. He was at home. He was under hospice care. And as I talked to him, he would quietly respond. And then take another breath. I knew I couldn't stay long, and I couldn't stay long not only for his sake, but for my own. And, um, and as I left, I said, before I leave, allow me one more time, my dear friend, to bless you. Because that's what priests do, right? It's what we priests do, is we bless. So I went over, and I prayed over him, and I made the sign of the cross on his forehead, and said words of blessing because that's what we do. And then uh, started to leave, and then he, and I come over and said, yes. And I got closer, and he reached up, and he blessed me, and said, may God bless you in your life and ministry. It was supposed to be me blessing him. But Peter knew what, what I try to learn, that we are all called to bless all the time. What we do as we go out of here, when we're dismissed, when we hear the deacon's dismissal and we go out of here, how are we going out? Will we be kind to ourselves first and to all those we encounter? Will we live out that life of blessing? At the end of the service, each week when we are blessed, we are blessed for a reason, for ourselves. And we are blessed so that we might be a blessing. Who are these? They are those who have come out of the great ordeal, maybe still going through it, but they know they're loved. They know that God loves them and they will share that love in their words and in their lives with everyone they meet. Go then today and do likewise. Go and be the saints that we are all called to be.